Hello, welcome to another edition of the Hoop Scoop Podcast. My name is Nate, not with my pod pal Phil today. Today doing a little bit of a solo pod, Phil not feeling his best. So I'm going to be previewing the playing games that we are about to play, all the matchups to consider, which ones are most important, what to watch for, and the ones that maybe we're not as interested in. But regardless, we're going to get into all four games, and I'm going to give my predictions for who's going to end up coming out of this and moving on to the real playoff tournament. So let's start in the Eastern Conference. We have our Eastern Conference games starting tonight. Two games, the Charlotte Hornets playing the Indiana Pacers, and then the Boston Celtics playing the Washington Wizards. Let's start with that first matchup, Pacers-Hornets. Two teams that have in a way had similar seasons where they got off to pretty nice starts. Both of those teams were pretty squarely in the playoff picture for the first, I don't know, 15 to 20 games or so, and then injuries hit, and then more injuries hit, and now we we are here, these teams playing in the 9-10 game. So let's start with Charlotte. Charlotte obviously has just been decimated by injuries, most notably Gordon Hayward, who will not be playing tonight. It's unclear even if Gordon Hayward will be available if they move on to the playoffs, and make no doubt about it, Hayward was their best player while he was playing. I know Rozier had a really nice season, but Hayward was really the most consistent guy on that team on both ends. And without him, there's just a huge hole in their lineup. They're playing a lot of three-guard lineups. All three of those guards they play, Rozier, Devontae Graham, and LaMelo Ball, all dynamic, all can make plays, but the consistency at the three that Horde, that, that Hayward provide provides is just not there right now. So that's an issue. But regardless... I still am very excited to watch this game, even though I don't think either of these teams have much of a chance to make any real noise in the playoffs. Indiana. Let's look at Indiana for a second. Indiana, another team that injuries have just made the season difficult. TJ Warren has not played this season. He's been out since day one after having a very entertaining bubble run last year. He hasn't been in the lineup Miles Turner, he's done for the what seems like the year. So right now we're looking at Karis LeVert, we're looking at DeMontis Sabonis, and Malcolm Brogdon, who I assume is going to be available. I'm just going to double-check that. But, yeah, it seems like he's going to play tonight, even though Malcolm Brogdon's also missed time recently. But most recent news is Pacers enter plan tournament with hope Malcolm Brogdon can return. If Brogdon's not there, then that's obviously a huge hole, and maybe we'll see some O'Shea set time. I'm not sure. But let's talk about the matchup. So, numbers-wise, Hornets, 22nd in offense for the season. Pacers sit at 14th, so right about league average. Defensively, the Charlotte Hornets sit at 13th. Not bad. Actually, no, that's 13th worst, so... <laughs> That would not be 13th. That would be 17th, essentially. 17th in defense for the Charlotte Hornets. Indiana Pacers sitting at 12th in defense. So, sounds like two playing teams to me. Both these teams kind of hovering around the middle. And on both sides, there's some pluses, there's some minuses, all that. So, what, what to expect, what to look for in tonight's game? Well, the biggest thing I'd like to see, and we'll see how many minutes he even gets, but LaMelo Ball, 
playing in the spotlight, right? So Mellow Ball obviously had a, a very impactful rookie season. He's my rookie of the year for sure. But as of late, hasn't been as consistent, hasn't been as efficient shooting the basketball, hasn't made the same impact he did before coming back, before the injury, before the wrist injury. But nonetheless, it's always exciting to see a young player in the brightest lights, regardless of if they you actually think that team can make noise. I always like to see what these players have when it comes down to it. Uh, I think John Morant in last year's playing game, even though the Grizzlies lost to Portland in the bubble, I saw a lot out of John Morant that really impressed me. His ability to go against a more advanced game plan, which does come in the playoffs, and make plays and produce at a high level. It's always fun to see from young players. So that's number one I'd like to see from Charlotte. Number two is from Indiana, Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert, a guy who a lot of people were impressed that the Pacers were able to get him in that deal, that mega trade that sent James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets. And people liked that the Pacers swapped essentially Old Depot for LeVert. And I was a fan of that too. And obviously what's happening with Old Depot right now doesn't seem like he's a particularly valuable asset. But regardless, Karis LeVert is a player that you would think is in the Pacers' future, given his role on this team, given that he is still pretty young, although not as young as people like to say. So I want to see how he handles this, especially if Brogdon's not playing. If Brogdon's not playing, then you're going to see high-volume Levert, which honestly isn't always my favorite Levert, but (laughs) nonetheless, I want to see how he responds to a playoff atmosphere. I mean, I'm going to be real with you guys. This game isn't the most exciting one on the slate. Two teams that have kind of limped to the finish line here. Two teams that have dealt with a lot of injury. But I want to see how those two guards perform. It should be a field day for DeMontis Sabonis. The Hornets are extremely weak in their front court. That's been their biggest gap the whole season. And honestly, if they want to be any kind of a, a threat next year, they're going to need to upgrade the center position. Rotating minutes of Cody Zeller and Bismarck Biombo is just not going to get down either end right now. So it should be a good game for DeMontis Sabonis, who feasts on inferior competition. I'm not, no shot against DeMontis Sabonis, but I do think that he's somebody who does really, really well against weak front lines. But sometimes those same tactics don't work against the, the top of the top when it comes to center defenders. So I think he should have a great game. I'm predicting 25 and 10 at the minimum for DeMontis Sabonis. But yeah, I honestly, there's not too much to go off about this game. It's probably the least interesting out of the four. But I'm still going to watch it. I still think there's a lot of interesting subplots to analyze throughout the game. And I do think that the Indiana Pacers are going to win this one. Let's move on to the nightcap. Nightcap. This is interesting. I'm ex- I'm really excited for this one, and I'm hearing a lot of narratives about this game that I'm not completely buying into, but we'll get to that in a second. So, following the 8-9 matchup, I mean, sorry, following the 9-10 matchup, we're getting to the 7-8, the Boston Celtics playing the Washington Wizards. <clears throat> Wizards, one of the best stories of the second half of the season. I've been on the Wizards all year. I thought before the season they could be a top-16 in the East, I even doubled down on All-Star break. I said they're going to get it together and get and, and go on a run and get to 500, which they came pretty close to doing. 
they're not exactly at 500, but they're they're pretty damn close. If it wasn't for some bad losses at the beginning of the All Star after the All Star break, <clears throat> they would get there. But Washington's gone on a run that we're all happy to see because let's be honest, I'm excited to see Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal play in a playoff type atmosphere, opposed to I don't know the Toronto Raptors who didn't seem to have much going for them by the end. Nothing against Toronto. So Wizards, we're all happy to see them there. I'm happy to see them there. I'm uh, star power. We all we all like it. All right, we're we're gonna we're gonna enjoy watching Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal do their thing tonight. From the Celtics standpoint, I was actually thinking about it recently, and I think the Celtics season is very very similar to the 76ers season last year, where they have their guys kind of in and out throughout the year, and it's okay for a large part but it's really just disappointing and they never get to where they want to be and then it all kind of comes crumbling down at the end where their second best player is done for the year happened last year with ben simmons happens this year with jalen brown i think there's a lot of parallels there i think both of these teams are good and i can have a whole entire celtics podcast where i talk about my opinion where we're getting a little overreactionary to the boston celtics we're getting a little overreactionary to Danny Ainge, the job he's done, and this is just a crappy season, and it happens. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many people thought the sky was falling last season after the 76ers got swept by the Boston Celtics in the first round and saying, oh, they got to blow it up. What's this team going to do? And they did make some changes. They, they did change their coach, so I'm not going to act like, you know, nothing, everything stayed the same, but at the end of the day, I think they – had a good team and it just didn't it didn't work out because injuries other things yada 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 Celtics definitely do need to improve their roster they definitely need to add some depth off the bench they definitely need some of those young players to step up but it's been a season with guys in and out and now that they missing they're missing their second best player in Jalen Brown who's a legit star they don't really have much of a chance in the playoffs but Let's just talk about the playing game for a second and why I think the Boston Celtics are still going to win this game, despite what it seems like everybody just hopping on the Wizards due to how they've played the last couple of weeks. So I, st- I still think that we, and one of the big scapegoats, along with Danny Ainge and maybe some, and Kemba Walker for sure, would be Brad Stevens. And I know everybody likes to pile onto Brad Stevens saying he doesn't have enough energy, the offense is stale. Both of those things might be true, but we can't forget who this guy is and what he's accomplished in this league. He is one of the best defensive coaches in the NBA, and I am very, very, very intrigued to see what he schemes up for the Wizards tonight. Brad Stevens is not a guy who's just going to let Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, walk into 30 on you know single coverage just and just tear him up consistently play out, play in and play out. There's going to be some interesting schemes tonight, and I am very excited to see what he draws up. So just by the numbers, defensively, it hasn't, it hasn't been great for the Celtics. They are 14th in the league, so about league average. Not great for them. But I do still think that playoff basketball, when it comes to game planning, when it comes to conjuring up schemes, is a little bit of a different animal. And when we're going coach to coach, Brad Stevens to Scott Brooks, I'm, I'm taking the Celtics and Brad Stevens 
all day, every day, for sure. Wizards, defensively, they have actually, they've probably, it's been a lot better in the second half of the year, but overall still not great. They're sitting at 18th in defense. So again, playing type numbers for both of these teams. There's also been a lot of narrative around how the Wizards have the two best players in the series, and I I think it's it's trendy right now to kind of downplay the accomplishments of the Boston Celtics, down, uh, the Celtics of the past. Not, they haven't accomplished anything this year. But it's trendy to talk crap about Brad Stevens, talk crap about Danny Ainge, do your whole song and dance. But Jason Tatum is the best player in this game. I'll say it again. Jason Tatum is the best player in this game. And if there's anybody that's going to take over the game, anybody with big-time playoff experience, and listen, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal have had their games, but if I had to put my money on one player in this series, I, I, I keep on saying series, it's just a game, which makes my point even more because you only need one performance. But if I put my money on any one player in this game taking over, making impossible shots, Shouldering the offense, it's Jason Tatum, a guy who's been there before several times, who at a young age, it seems like only rise to the occasion. I think we forget some of those big playoff games he had last year in the bubble. Jason Tatum is the best player in this game. So even though the Wizards have maybe more star power between Westbrook and Beal, I like what I'm getting in Tatum. I like what I'm getting in defensively in Boston, more so than Washington. Both of these teams are very weak in the front court, so I I think I think it's going to be a shooting game. I think a lot of it's going to come down to the three ball, and obviously Kemba Walker is an X factor. But I put my faith in Jason Tatum. I put my faith in Brad Stevens in this game, and I think Boston's going to end up winning it, and then that would mean they get the seventh seed where they play the Brooklyn Nets, where they pretty much have no shot, but. I still have fun with it because, as I kind of said in my last segment, when your team isn't a real threat to win the NBA championship, you have to look at it through a different lens. And listen, I'm kind of going through it as a Knicks fan, even though I love what the Knicks are doing, and we should be completely, completely just excitement on 100% based on what this team has accomplished. You're, you're pretty foolish if you think the Knicks have a real chance to win the NBA title. There's three teams in the East that have a legitimate chance to win the NBA title. So, obviously I want them to win every game they play, as should Boston Celtics fans. But it's not just that. I'm looking at what's happening. How are, who, who's stepping up? Who's playing well? Who is getting game planned for? And how is that game plan affecting their play? Because postseason basketball is a different animal than the regular season. You're going to see different looks. You're going to see more specific and tailor-made scouting reports. The attention to detail is going to be much greater on both sides. So there's really no better time to evaluate your players, evaluate your, your young players specifically, and see, and see what you really have in them, what they really need to work on than the postseason because they don't get that kind of attention in the regular season. Games kind of flow. It's just, obviously, the first step is be a good regular season player, be a good regular season team. But at the end of the day, you need to be able to perform the playoffs. So I think that's a, it's a great opportunity for Boston fans, even though the season has been nightmarish, to evaluate some of those young players, to see how great Jason Tatum can really be. 
because I think he can be great. Shouldering the load. What does Kemba Walker have? All that stuff. Brad Stevens, what is he going to conjure up? So even though your team may not have a chance, playoffs is still the best time to evaluate your team and see what you have moving forward. That's what I have in the Eastern Conference. I have Celtics winning, getting the seven. And then I have Pacers winning against Charlotte. That would pit the Pacers against the Wizards. I'm not going to evaluate. I'm not going to analyze the game because the game's not even scheduled to happen yet. But based on my predictions, I would have the Wizards winning that game. So that would be Celtics 7, Wizards 8. And listen, I want the Wizards to get into the playoffs because I think they'd be a hell of a lot more fun than the Hornets or the Pacers. So I'm rooting for that. <laughs> but I, I think the Celtics have their number tonight. So that would be Celtics 7, Wizards 8, Celtics play the Nets, and Wizards play the Sixers, which, hey, sign me up for that. Sign me up for that. Again, don't think the Wizards have much of a shot, but Westbrook and Embiid, though that'd be some words exchanged there, I'd have fun with that series. I'd have a lot of fun with that series. As we move on to the Western Conference, Western Conference games start tomorrow. We'll start with the 9-10 before we get into the behemoth of a 7-8, which is, oof, that's going to be fun. Let's talk 9-10. The Memphis Grizzlies are playing the San Antonio Spurs. So, man, this this game's weird. I don't know. The Spurs have been have had such a weird season where they're – there just doesn't seem to be a lot of energy within that that club right now. They have a lot of young guys who you would think maybe one of them, and, and they've definitely had some guys step up. I, I, I predicted before the season, Kelton Johnson would have a breakout year. Uh, I think I would call it a breakout year. It's not like he's lighting the world on fire, averaging 20, but he's really established himself himself as a vital part of that team. He's started 67 of 69 games. He's giving you about 13 points per, per contest. I'll take David Kelvin Johnson. So it seems like they've really solidified him as a piece. But other than that, there's been a lot of inconsistency. Devin Vassell has been in and out of the rotation. Lonnie Walk has been at, in and out of the rotation. DeJounte Murray, it's kind of the same old DeJounte Murray where you see flashes. The jump shot's still incredibly inconsistent. The decision-making's still kind of inconsistent. The defense is always there. And he can score a, de- a pretty nice clip considering the fact that he doesn't have much of a jumper. But it's the same with DeJounte Murray in a, in a way. Even though I love his talent and I love his upside, we, we haven't seen the jump that maybe we thought we would see from him. That's just my opinion. Best player of this team is obviously DeMar DeRozan, who continues to play an all-star level despite just playing this weird, unorthodox style. He kind of plays like... I, he kind of moves like Devin Booker, except he doesn't have the sh- the the dynamic shooting ability because he can kind of he can play point guard while also being a really nice isolation scorer. But he doesn't shoot any threes, so that, you know that, today's day and age when you're a guard, you don't shoot threes. It kind of puts a ceiling on your impact, just the way it is. So that's the Spurs. I don't know. It's just hard for me to really get too excited. But, uh, but one of the bigger, one of the bigger developments for me, honestly, I, I think Jakob Pertl's had a great year, even though he's not giving you much offensively. I've seen some Spurs games where he's the best defensive player on the court, and I think he's going to be a huge difference maker against Memphis Grizzlies, especially with the way the Grizzlies play. Grizzlies play downhill. The Grizzlies don't turn the ball over. And they play, they play, they don't, they're not a very good shooting team. They don't have a lot of dynamic scores. They don't have a lot of dynamic shooters. 
but they play clean style. They take care of the boards. And they play their game. They know who they are. They have an identity. So I'm going to pick Memphis in this game, but I don't have a great feel on it, honestly. Ja has had an interesting season, and after this season, when we when when the smoke when the dust settles, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably dive more into the Jaw tape and really see what was happening. I I watched some Jaw games where he's just an absolute fire stick, and it doesn't seem like anybody could stop him. But you you even saw in the game against Golden State where they took advantage of his hesitance to take the long ball and it kind of affected the team and it affected the rest of the, it affected his game and affected how the offense flows. I, I was, I could, I mentioned earlier how well he played in last year's playing game against Portland, but that was only one game. We'll see what happens here. It's Popovich. He's obviously a little long in the tooth, but He's going to want to win this game as much as anybody, and I'm excited to see what game plan he has for John Morant, who, although is extremely dynamic and can make plays and no other guy in the league can, there's still those times where I'm like, um, okay, that's a hole. <laughs> and that's that's it's, it, it doesn't seem like he's helping the team right now because defensively, he's still kind of a gambler. Defensively, he's not really a plus player. And offensively, even though the numbers are are pretty solid right now, nineteen and seven, it does seem like sometimes he's a there. There's a way. There's a way. There's a way to kind of take him out of his game. So I'm very, very interested to see how John Moran plays. And this kind of goes back to my point where no other better time to evaluate your players than the playoffs. I'm gonna pick the Grizzlies in this game, though. I do think that. Jonas Valanciunas is going to kind of neutralize Jakob Pertl in a way. Uh, the Grizzlies are one of the best rebounding teams in the league, so I expect them to be pretty solid on the glass and take care of that element. And the Spurs, I, I watch games where their offense just completely stalls. Um, their, their, their shooting comes and goes, and it's kind of DeRozan and then a lot of question marks. So... I'm going to take Memphis to win this game. And that moves us on to the big one. The game with the two superstars, the, sorry, the three superstars, Los Angeles Lakers playing the Golden State Warriors. Oof, this is, and listen, let's probably it with this, okay? The stars are there, but these teams are not in the same class, okay? The Los Angeles Lakers are championship contenders, the Golden State Warriors are not, although Stephen Curry, listen, I'm one of the biggest Steph guys around. Stephen Curry is a top four player in the league, and he's capable of carrying a team to win one game any night, any night. So there's that there's that factor of it, and you can't you can't count that out. But man, this is going to be fun because the Lakers start their quest to win a championship as a playing team. I mean. Back a few a few weeks back when LeBron goes down, Davis already been down, and they're playing these games, and Schroeder misses time, and it just it it just seemed like the Lakers had 
they're just spinning the wheels, just waiting. Just, just you know, the they just turned the hourglass upside down and were just waiting for their guys to return. And in the meantime, just trying to keep their head above water. And we were talking, plans a possibility, <laughs> plans a possibility. And it was close, and it took a game here, a game there. But here we are, Los Angeles Lakers, seventh seed, playing in the playing game, trying to win an NBA title as a seventh seed, which would be the lowest seed to ever win an NBA championship. Oof, it's a lot. It's heavy. It's heavy. So let's talk about this game. It's hard to really go into the numbers with the Lakers just because they've played such sparingly, such spare, so few minutes together this season. So it's hard to really take much out of these numbers. But we'll, I'll say this, okay? The Lakers are still trying to find their best five. And last year, I think we had an idea of who their best five was. It was LeBron and AD, obviously. It was Contavious Caldwell Pope. I think those three are definitely still there. And then last year, I think by the end, it was probably Rajon Rondo and Danny Green. You could probably, depending on the night, maybe Caruso gets in there. Depending on the night, maybe Kuzma gets in there. But I think by the end, by, by playoff time, that was their best five. This season, you pencil in those first three. I think Atea's call Pope is very underrated. But outside of that, we're still not sure. You would think Dennis Schroeder would be that guy. He should be that guy. And I think he definitely is their he's their third or fourth best player. And then after that, is it Kyle Kuzma? Was he Matthews who's playing a little bit better recently? Is it Alex Caruso? I'm just not entirely sure right now. <clears throat> so they're going to they're gonna be feeling that out. They're going to be feeling that out. And they don't have a lot of time to feel it out. I mean, you could even see in that last game against the Pelicans, their players stayed in there a while. Even though even though they, they didn't technically need to win that game, although it didn't end up mattering because Portland took care of their, their business. But they kept their guys in a while, and I think it was for no other reason but they need every precious game time minute they can because this team doesn't have a lot of time together. And they're trying to make up for lost time. They're trying to make up for lost time right now, which is tough. And But I'll say this, they're not the only team that is doing that, okay? I mean, you look at the Eastern Conference with the Brooklyn Nets. No team has played less together than the Brooklyn Nets. You look at the Western Conference Los Angeles Clippers, another team that's been in and out all season. So they're they're not alone in this boat. but. Lakers have championship aspirations. It starts tomorrow night. I'm very interested to see what the center rotation looks like. How many minutes does Andre Drummond get? How many minutes does Andre Drummond get with Anthony Davis? What do they do with Montrez Harrell, who I, I know his numbers are solid this year, and he did do a great job of plugging and filling minutes while Anthony Davis and LeBron James were out. But I haven't loved what I've seen from him when he was playing with Anthony Davis, when he was playing with LeBron. It hasn't smoothed greatly. The pick and roll with Schroeder, you see glimpses of it, but I don't think it's good enough to, you know, it's, it's, listen, it, I, that, that's the interesting thing with the, the Schroeder Harold pick and roll. People were saying from the beginning of the season, oh, the, this is going to add such a new element. The, the Schroeder Harold pick and roll I was like, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got LeBron, you have Anthony Davis. Okay. How many shooter Harold pickle rolls do you really want to run? 
The bottom line is you're going to you are going to sink and swim with an offense that has LeBron James, Anthony Davis with the ball in their hands. Okay, sure the shooter hair pick and roll it gets good a couple times a game, but in playoff basketball, the ball needs to be in LeBron James and Anthony Davis's hands. Okay. I, I'm sure teams will sign up for a heavy dose of Schroeder, Harrell pick and rolls if it means that Anthony Davis isn't getting the ball in the mid post. If it means that LeBron James is not initiating the offense from the top. Okay, it's it's not the recipe for success. That's I think that whole thing was overblown. So I'm very interested to see how Harrell fits, and it starts tomorrow. I mean, the, I'm 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 very excited to see how the Lakers handle this kind of playoff rotation because it's been so hard to evaluate this team this whole season based on the moving parts it's you you just don't know what's real and what's not so I'm very 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 interested to see what's real how is this team going to approach their lineups going into the postseason that's my big thing for the Lakers and then in terms of the game in terms of trying to win the game I'd be pretty surprised the Lakers didn't win the game but again when you have Stephen Curry on the other side Anything is possible. You would think the, the Lakers have a huge advantage down low with it with Anthony Davis. I mean, the Warriors, you got Kevon Looney out there. I know Draymond Green says he guard center is okay, Draymond, sure. So, you know, you, you would think they'd be able to hammer them on the boards. And you would think they'd be able to play pretty solid defense on the Warriors because given all of this turnover – and all of the in-and-out movement of the rotations, the Warriors, the Lakers still have the number one defense in the NBA, which is very impressive. Very impressive. So, we'll see. We will see what happens from a Lakers standpoint. Let's talk Warriors for a second. So, Warriors, Stephen Curry, he's as good as ever. He's as good as ever. And I never wavered with my confidence in Steph. I thought, I mean, people love to just kind of write people off it's kind of the cycle you know we like to praise a guy watch him struggle and then write him off i'm guilty of it sometimes too for sure but stephen curry i mean people were saying that he couldn't handle this burden he's he doesn't know what it's like to play with inferior teammates like lebron james has in the past the fact that Stephen Curry has carried this team to the eighth seed in the West, an above 500 record, I mean, this team is the worst team in the NBA without Stephen Curry. No no reservations about it. So take what you want from that, all right? Maybe they're not the one seed, but guess what? I've seen, I mean, when LeBron James had a team like this in 2018, they were the fourth seed in the East, all right? Fourth in the East, where is the eighth seed in the West, all right? That's what superstars do, all right? They're not going to carry you to the one seed. That's absurd, okay? This is the NBA. These teams are very, very good. <laughs> These teams at the top. These are very, very good teams with very with multiple very, very good players. But Stephen Curry is a great player. He's an elite player. He's a top four player in the world. And he showed this year with an MVP-type season. I'd probably vote him third right now. So, of course, the Warriors have the ability to make an upset because they have Curry, okay? Because they do have some pieces that, have play, that are playing better. And maybe if, if the Warriors role players can hit their open shots and the Lakers don't, because the Lakers still, I do think, are a little inconsistent shooting the ball in their with their depth. 
Taste called Pope has established himself as pretty consistent, but outside of that, it's kind of a crapshoot. Kuzo, I'm not really sure what I'm getting. Caruso, I'm not really sure what I'm getting. Schroeder, solid, but the jump shot isn't exactly his forte. So I guess the War the Warriors could win the three-point battle. That's definitely a possibility. But, I mean, it's not like the Warriors are loaded with snipers. I mean, this team, despite having Stephen Curry, is 21st the NBA in three-pointers per 100 possessions. So... <laughs> Take take that take with with that what you will. The I mean, the Lakers are down down near the bottom, but the the, the Lakers don't lean on that. The, the the Lakers don't lean on being a three point heavy team, and the Warriors actually don't. I mean, when Curry's not on the floor, they kind of revert back to some archaic type of offense because they just don't have the personnel. Andrew Wiggins has had a really nice season. Really nice season for Andrew Wiggins. Defensively, stepped it up big time. He's become a pretty solid individual defender. Defender, I'm really impressed with his help defense. He's shooting the ball better. Making better decisions. But I'm not trusting Andrew Wiggins to run my second unit offense. So, when Curry leaves the floor, it's a lot of throw your hands up and just pray. <laughs> And you would think that the Lakers are going to prey on those moments. Because Lakers, I, they're not going to have any minutes without either LeBron or Anthony Davis. So, you know, listen. Both teams play as well as they can. The Lakers are going to win this basketball game. And I think that as much as we love the star story, stars versus stars, that's not how basketball works. Okay. This is one team that's very, that's a lot better than the other. Than the, other. <laughs> the Lakers are a championship roster the Warriors are not Lord Gross this is going to be a lot of fun three superstars LeBron James the best player in the world Stephen Curry a top four player in the world Anthony Davis probably a top six player in the world that's fun in a playoff atmosphere sign me up for that so whatever you want to say about the playing tournament and I have my gripes the fact that we get this kind of matchup in a one game that's that's good good on the NBA Obviously, it worked in an interesting way because the Lakers are way too good to be in the seven. But here we are. Here we are. I'm going to pick the Lakers to win. I'm going to pick the Warriors to beat the Grizzlies because I don't want to see the Grizzlies in the playoffs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I'd much rather see the Warriors and Stephen Curry in a seven-game series. So those are my picks. I'm going in the Eastern Conference. Boston gets the seven. Washington gets the eight. In the West, I'm going Lakers get the seven. Golden State gets the eight. So I guess it's just chalk. Oh, well. Well, regardless, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And we'll do our playoff preview, our whole entire playoff preview, as soon as the, the final matchups are set. So thank you for listening. My name is Nate. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave, follow us on Twitter. Listen to our pod on all platforms. And catch us on YouTube, Hoop Scoop, for all of our latest videos. Catch you guys next time. Peace.